The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. One, both sides should withdraw to 500 miles either side of the Falklands. Two, some sort of interim authority should be created on the islands. Three, the status of the Falklands should be negotiated by 31 December. What do you mean, status? Well, uh, Sovereignty? Nothing should be excluded. You do mean sovereignty. I'm trying to de-escalize a war. So am I. But you do not do it by appeasement. You increase its chances. Mrs. Thatcher, we're not You see this table? This was where Neville Chamberlain sat in 1938 when he spoke on the wireless about the Czechs as faraway people about whom we know nothing and with whom we have so little in common. Munich. Appeasement. A world war followed because of that irresponsible, woolly-minded, indecisive, slipshod attitude and the deaths of 45 million people. The fact that we have to treat Britain and Argentina even-handedly for the purpose of negotiation... How dare you treat us even-handedly? Argentina is the aggressor, the invader, a fourth-rate, cruel, unstable, corrupt, brutal regime with no morals or scruples whatever. They torture and murder their political opponents by the most ghastly Nazi methods. And this is the regime you wish to give even a foothold over British citizens. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 23rd, 2017. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to our show today, where our in-studio guest is once again Paul McKeever, employment lawyer, leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario, writer, blogger, movie producer, believe it or not, of The Principle of Pot, which may soon demand a second installment, eh, Paul? <laughs> I think so. And also the writer of an open letter to the Ontario legislature talking about their own anti-Islamophobe Islamophobia motion, is that what it was? That's yeah. what they call it. That's what it called. Well, before we get our conversation underway, let's first remind our listeners that they can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of our past broadcasts. So welcome to the show again, Paul. Let's start off with a question. There's a, a couple of uh, numbers that are being thrown out there recently. We've had uh, Professor Jordan Peterson of the University of Toronto talking about C-16. We've had, uh, I listened to uh, a podcast by Zudi Jasser in the States talking about Canada's M-103. Perhaps you can tell us what these numbers are and what's the controversy. Sure. Well, okay, so C-16 is a Canadian federal bill uh, that introduces changes to human rights and criminal law, and it basically says that uh, those protections that currently exist for things like race, sex, and re religion will be extended also to trans, so transphobia, etc. Gender identity. Gender identity. So gender identity will now be a protected ground under human rights and criminal laws. Uh, M103 is a motion in the federal parliament, and it says effectively two things that the government should condemn Islamophobia in all of its uh, forms, whatever that may be. 
doesn't define Islamophobia, and that it should take steps to wipe out effectively Islamophobia and discrimination and that kind of thing. There's also a provincial law, by the way, a provincial uh, Ontario motion, province. That's right. In Ontario, uh, on December 1st, uh, a Liberal MPP notified the, the uh, legislature that she was going to be bringing a motion, and that was heard just a couple of weeks ago, and that was the, that was the um, motion to which I wrote a letter. So your open letter wasn't against M103, it was against the provincial uh, legislation That's or correct. motion. Was it a motion? Because there's a difference between legislation and motions. Perhaps you can start with that one. Sure. So uh, a bill is, is a, a thing that will become a law. A motion, although some people like to say, well, it's not a law, so it doesn't matter. That's not quite correct. So a motion can, for example, require of the government that it do something. It's procedural in nature. It can just be a recognition, like for example, we hereby condemn. Okay, fine. But it can go more, it can go further than that. It can say, and therefore we recommend that the government take certain steps, which is what uh, M103 does. But there's an interesting back history to this that no one's discussing, at least not very loudly. Back in October of 2016, October 7th, the leader of the federal NDP, Thomas Mulcair, sought unanimous consent of the legislature to bring a motion that said that the House of Commons, the, the legislators, condemn Islamophobia in all of its forms. And some conservatives were concerned about that and said, no, we're not agreeing to that. But about two weeks later, the exact same motion was brought by the exact same MP, Mulcair. The conservatives did consent, and there was therefore a successful motion in which the House of Commons condemned all Islamophobia in all kinds. So what happened in between those two votes? Well, a petition was put together by somebody, I'm not quite sure, and it was presented to the parliament on December 5th, and the petition was against Islamophobia. And at that point, on the same day, Ikra Khalid, a, a liberal MP, brought forward this motion coinciding with the tendering of the petition. And it said uh, that government, as opposed to the legislators, the government should condemn Islamophobia in all of its forms, but also that it should undertake a study to find out essentially how to wipe out Islamophobia and religious discrimination in all of its forms and to do that on a all-of-government or wide government-wide basis. It's a very step-oriented or procedurally-oriented motion. So that was uh, debated on February 15th, and again, some of the conservatives said, well, can you please tell us what Islamophobia means? And the liberals refused to define it. And so the uh, conservatives put together their own motion, which was to be heard the, the following day, February 16th, in which they simply said, instead of using the fuzzy word Islamophobia, we'll say that we're against the sorts of violence against people on the basis of religion and et cetera that we've seen in Canada in recent weeks. And the liberals are opposed to that. They don't want to make sure that everyone knows what is meant by Islamophobia. They did want to they leave say, a term. Did they say they're opposed to violence? The Conservatives said they were opposed to the discrimination-based violence that has occurred and the vandalism of mosques and et cetera. Of course, this was on the heels of the Quebec mosque shooting. It may, it may even have been before. I'm, I'm, what it certainly is on the heels of the mosque shooting is the uh, bringing of the motion in the Ontario legislature. And uh, that was uh, debated like shortly thereafter. So uh, when it was announced on the Sunday evening prior to the motion being discussed in the Ontario legislature, the provincial Conservatives did not oppose the motion. They instead chose to provide no opposition at all, just to say we're all one big happy family uh, and we're all in favor of opposing Islamophobia in all of its forms, but it did not limit it to discrimination. So the, the basic idea was that the provincial conservatives, unlike the federal conservatives, refused to enter into the debate about what the liberals were trying to achieve with this use of a weasel word, which was Islamophobia. 
And that's what that's why I thought a letter was necessary to warn the MPPs not to approve the, the motion as worded because they were using that weasel word. And the concern, of course, is that Islamophobia can include such things as fear of Islam itself, the religion. And if you're wiping out opposition based on fear to criticism, for example, of Islam, criticism that may well bring into disrepute those who think that the religion is great, you're, you're in danger, dangerous territory if you're wiping that kind of freedom out, especially as an MPP. You need to be able to be free to say there's some aspects of Islam that are affecting society in a negative way, such as female genital mutilation, such as requiring women to uh, settle their marital differences in, in Sharia courts, even if off the record, uh, wear certain headdresses as a matter of male dominance over women, and this kind of thing. These are all practices that uh, need to be addressed, I think, in Ontario society. Well, I would agree. And as a matter of fact, I saw a quote Uh, just recently, which said that religion is an idea and all ideas must be open to challenge through free speech. And I see nothing wrong with that. Why exclude Islam? To do so, of course, um, sort of feeds in to uh, the backlash that people are having against Muslims because they're being singled out for, for preferential treatment in our parliaments. So we can't discuss Islam. Oh, but you can criticize Christianity or Judaism? My thinking on this is that they're purposely pushing Islam into the political arena to force us to all talk about it and say things about it so they can catch us on anything they disagree with. Which is probably one of the reasons they put the motion forward to catch the conservatives because they thought that the conservatives probably wouldn't agree with it. And of course, they were right at the beginning. Yeah, the, the federal conservatives still are in a position. I think most of the, the uh, for example, the leader uh, leadership candidates for the Conservative Party of Canada right now, most of them are against this motion. But in Ontario, we've got a different situation. In Ontario, we have a, uh, a progressive conservative party that effectively is just another liberal party. But if you listen to what the, the federal conservatives say, here's, here's Scott Reid. He's an MP in the federal conservative uh, party. And, and he said uh, that the focus of Motion 103, the federal Islamophobia motion, The focus is on the undefined term Islamophobia rather than on protecting Muslims as individuals. This implies that what Canada needs is state protection for faiths rather than for the safety of the faithful. And I think that nails it. Sure does. Right? It's definitely, you have to protect all people in Canada from violence, from, you know, all kinds of um, violations of their liberty and their property. But you cannot and should not protect religions from criticism, even if it means that somebody's feelings might be hurt, even if it means that, oh, you you know, you uh, happen to be a, a, an ardent follower of this particular religion that I think is a ridiculous, and that makes you feel bad because I think it's ridiculous. Well, welcome to freedom. I, I mean, criticism is not something you should be outlawing in the name of, of feelings and hurt feelings. If there's any irrational or fuzzy term they should be using, instead of Islamophobia, it would be Muslimophobia, Muslimophobia. <laughs> I guess so. And even then, it's not the phobia that should be the issue. It's the violence. It's, it's the, exactly. the expropriation. It's the. It's not fear. You can't legislate against fear, but you can legislate against violence. And what they're trying to do is legislate, legislate against speech. Right. Well, you know, and that, there's a danger in this, though. And we've seen the federal conservatives uh, saying that this is a free speech issue. It is, in part, certainly. If you can't speak about a religion, that's, a, that's an abridgment of your free speech. And uh, if you can't speak about a religion, you may end up uh, being beholden to it. However, I think there, there's a real mistake here that politicians, by and large, think of, of political philosophy as the only thing that they should be considering. 
And I think it goes much deeper than that. I think it goes to ethics, it goes to epistemology, and it goes to metaphysics. Why do you think, um, if at least federally, why would Justin Trudeau pick up on this uh, Islamophobia word? Isn't that a term that was coined by the Muslim Brotherhood? In many countries, the Muslim Brotherhood are actually a branded a terrorist-loving organization, supporting organization. And yet here we have this term, a Muslim Brotherhood term, coming up in the Canadian Parliament. Well, it, it definitely was a term brought up by the Muslim Brotherhood, at least according to the testimony and interview uh, with Mr. Mitchell, James Mitchell. Oh, uh, yes, that, uh, done by um, Mark Stein. Mark Stein. Mark Stein, yeah. And it's amazing how that influence can be so readily adopted by our own representatives over here. I, I think we do, we are suffering from Islamophobia, quite frankly, and it's all in the legislature and in our, in our, and in our <laughs> parliamentary halls, don't you think? I think so. I think sometimes uh, uh, politicians, in an effort to pander, I mean, if you, if you listen uh, I think, to the speeches... I think, I personally, I think they're terrified yes. of, of Islam themselves. It seems clear. If you listen to on the, in the Ontario legislature when they were debating this, at least three or four of the MPPs started their presentations on the motion by saying uh, things in Arabic. So they were pandering to the Muslim followers. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. That's exactly right. And in fact, at one point, the premier said, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things about why the motion was important to her. And then, inshallah, she says, meaning Allah willing. God willing, yeah. No, not just God, but Allah. Allah, Yeah, inshallah. Uh, Yeah, that's right. And, and and, you know, Allah willing, we won't be talking about this again. Well, I'm telling you right now, if Allah gets his way, figuratively speaking, you won't be talking about this ever again. I mean, that's the whole point. They want silence, no criticism at all uh, of Islam. I recognize the member from London South. Thank you, Speaker. Assalamu alaikum. A phobia is an irrational fear. And make no mistake, Islamophobia is real. Speaker, there is a political discourse south of the border that is poison. Here in Canada, we have politicians using that same fear and mistrust for their own personal gain. We have organizations using Islamophobia as a marketing tool, clickbait for profit, and then discounting it by using free speech as a specious shield. All of us will always speak out against any form of hatred and discrimination when we find it. Thank you, Speaker. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. And inshallah, we will not have to have this conversation again. Joining me now for her response to that and to the opposition's motion is the Heritage Minister, Melanie Jolie. I'm very glad you were able to make it. Very happy to be here. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to be shocked by these contemptible threats uh, read out by Ms. Khalid. But my question to you in this context is whether that counts as Islamophobia. It's plainly anti-Muslim hate speech. It's uttering threats under the criminal code, if you like. Is it Islamophobia? Well, Islamophobia is discrimination against Muslim people based on that study. I take your point about the the study and so forth and the the balance of the motion, but let me take issue first with your Mm -hmm. definition. You started out by defining Islamophobia as fear of Muslims. It's not Muslimophobia. It's not phobia about people, Muslims, or a group of people. 
it's a Islamophobia, which is a religion. Islam is not a race. It's not a people. It's a religion. I said which discrimination. Is I didn't say fear. I said discrimination against people of Muslim Okay, phobia faith. is fear. And so basically what we know is that there is an issue right now in terms of the Muslim community being targeted. The House, as I understand it, as far as we can tell, is unanimous in agreement with what you just said, that these attacks are terrible and should be condemned. And but, therefore, so what's are, next? The argument is not about whether th that's all true. The argument is about the inclusion of the word Islamophobia, which for some people means literally what it says, fear of Islam, which is a religion, which is subject to reasonable criticism. Someone may say that I object strongly to Islamic ideas like the death to apostates, death to the infidels, death to gays. Uh, they may object to those things, and th th those are reasonable objections, and that, that's fear of Islam. But it's not discrimination against Muslims. Do you well, appreciate the... Do, do you I agree the that there is a distinction? But the idea is right now we know that the Muslim community is being targeted. This is a fact. I just gave you the data. And so these are difficult conversations. These are, are difficult conversations that you, we know we must have. But you have the power therefore, to make that conversation much, much easier with a very simple step suggested by a very distinguished liberal, Owen Kotler, who makes the proposal, well, why don't you just say anti-Muslim bigotry? Then we know we're talking about people, not ideas. Well, I had the, chance, we to, I had the chance to call, to talk with Mr. Kotler, and he agrees with our position. Now, the most important no, no, problem no, no, we no, see... No, he doesn't. He's made a statement publicly and he says that you, that you could fix the problem between yourselves and the conservatives, or some of the conservatives, by substituting the words anti-Muslim hatred or anti-Muslim bigotry for Islamophobia. Then you don't have a problem. Well, the reality is, is that we need to make sure that this motion goes ahead because we know that there is a community that is being targeted. Paul, putting aside the more obvious, I think, uh, political uh, motivations behind these kinds of motions. Uh, I understand that the people who are putting the motions forward and defending the motions are very reluctant to define the term Islamophobia. Why? Why would they be so reluctant to define the simple word that they're using? We've got to know what they mean especially, when they put a motion forward. Especially if they want us all to respond to it somehow. Shouldn't we all understand what they're talking about? But it's almost as if they are purposely creating the Tower of Babel. Is there something sinister going on for sure. behind this reluctance to define a simple word? Well, uh, whether we call it sinister or not, I think what not defining it achieves, and the only possible reason I could see for not defining it would be that if Islamophobia is undefined, it doesn't have to just refer to things that are violations of life, liberty, and, and property of a Muslim person. Instead, it can also relate to fear of the religion itself, criticism of the religion itself, speaking out against the religion itself, criticizing it. And I think, you know, and the conservatives are even saying that. They're wondering, you know, does this prevent me from saying that I disagree with Islam in one way or another, or that it's making that we're making a valuation of it as evil or good in some respects and i think that's exactly what it's meant to do i mean well these, then that is that is what islamophobia is they're I the think, islamophobics right i think <laughs> I, I think what they're trying to do especially with m103 which was put forward by a, a muslim uh, mp and defended by another muslim mp is to try and make sure that they can start the process of preventing anyone from mocking or questioning or condemning 
Islam or any of the people that values like Muhammad, for example, comics of, of, you know, we've seen people murdered for making cartoons of Prophet Muhammad. Well, now hold on a second. Wouldn't this fit right into the hands of the Islamists and the jihadists when they come over here or even the homegrown ones start bombing or planning to behead the prime minister as they have done? Um, or shooting up mosques, or shooting people, doesn't it fit right in with their plans if we, as the victims, are not allowed to talk about their motivations? Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you if you cannot speak against the thing that they're acting upon, I mean, they're they're doing these things in the name of a religion, the name of of, of uh, Islam and of their God, and if you can't criticize what they're saying about God and their religion, if you can't condemn various practices that tend to go along with it, such as female genital mutilation, such as a woman's testimony being worth half that of a man. Homophobia. So, homophobia. There's another phobia word. Well, phobia, it's, it's, it's the murder of homosexuals. They throw them off of buildings in of course, some countries. Yeah, that's Sharia for you. And to say that could be seen as homophobic, even though, or sorry, no, <laughs> uh, Islamophobic. Islamophobic, sorry, even though it's based on evidence. We, we have videos of people be put in cage, lit on fire. We have videos of uh, homosexual oh, yeah, men being yeah. thrown off the tops of it, buildings. It gets quite gruesome. I've seen the videos, and I tell you, just seeing them once is enough. And by the way, these videos are not being shown on the mainstream media. No, they, they will do everything they can not to show that because they don't want anyone to think that that has anything to do with Islam. They want to whitewash the religion. Not to say that every religion, you know, is, is good except Islam or something like that. I think every religion has its, has its warts, and I think lots of people ignore the more vile parts of Islam. We know several of our friends, for example, who are Muslims, who don't follow any of the more toxic parts of the, uh, of the Quran and, and their religious texts any more than Christians follow the toxic bits of the, of the Bible. They get marginalized and forgotten, and that's good. That's what westernizing ha- uh, does and should do, but that's what the... The radicals are opposed to. They want uh, a purity, a whole, a totality of of the Quran, warts and all. They see that not as bad. They don't even see it as warts. They see that as glory. I mean, when they're lighting people on fire and throwing them off roofs, they're saying, "Look, God, how great you are." We, this is a form of worship for us, and uh, we need to know that. When, for example, we have an El Quds rally outside the legislature, that's not a mistake that it's on legislature grounds because these radicals are opposed to man-made law. They think the only law that should ever exist is a law, the law of uh, of a law. In other words, Sharia. But be careful now, Paul. What you're doing right now is you're doing the very thing that the Canadian Parliament and the provincial parliaments are trying to outlaw. You're starting to talk about Islam. Right. Exactly right. And if we don't get it in now, by the way, folks, you may never get it in. As a matter of fact, I mean, we, we archive these shows online, and we have criticized Islam. As a matter of fact, we've criticized Christianity on this show as well, Sure, aspects of both. And um, we probably have to take those down or, or, or probably face fines or imprisonment. Who knows where this will lead? Sure. I mean, that you can, if you can take uh, copies of Mein Kampf out of the uh, libraries, uh, saying that it's a bad influence on people, uh, maybe the same thing can be done with all of your show, because it's a bad influence on people. And a bad influence will just depend on who's in power, won't it? But if we've decided that we're not allowed to talk about Islam, that's the surest way to make sure that Islam is what prevails at the end of the day. Everything else gets criticized, not Islam. You know, that's where this appeasement comes from. I mean, effectively, what we're saying in the legislature is we don't want to judge. 
We're afraid. This is the Islamophobia you're talking about, Bob, the fear they have of Islam. And the idea that if we don't criticize Islam, maybe we won't get ourselves in any trouble. As though we're the, the, the people who brought this terrorism upon ourselves, which is not the case. To my mind, the appeasement is really just the cowardice, the fear, the, the fear of Islam, the Islamophobia. You know, there's precedent in, in history, Paul, about uh, discussions being uh, not necessarily totally stopped about your enemy, but uh, poo-pooed or uh, you know discouraged. You know, let's not talk. Let's not talk about the uh, the policies of of Herr Hitler. You know, he's doing great things, trying to mm. keep his country together after the First World War. Let's not try to um, criticize him. He's he's reconstructing his society. You know, let's get along. Right. Uh, or you could say the same thing about any other despot or enemy. You know, to appease them. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to start a war, do you? You don't want to actually be the precipitant to creating conflict by mentioning things. Right. Well, and this is what we saw with Chamberlain, you know, and, and Margaret Thatcher condemning Chamberlain because he's saying, look, you know, Hitler's got his thing going on and he's got his followers and his, his people and we can't be offending them and criticizing them too much because we'll turn them those people against England. So maybe what we ought to do is just show how friendly we are, offer our hand in, in friendship and then they won't be interested in harming us anymore. And it's just such cowardice and such uh, naivete, really. You know, we, uh, Bob and I attended a, a presentation by Professor Jordan Peterson a few days ago uh, here in, in London. Uh, probably more to talk about that later in another show. But he mentioned to the audience that if you don't think people can be evil, then you haven't examined yourself because if you think that the Nazis in Germany or the, the Soviets in the Soviet Union uh, during the revolution killed all of those people, you know who killed them? You did. And he pointed to the audience. Yeah. And I think that's what we're talking about here is we're living the safe life here right now in a, a peaceful country. And we just don't know the extent to which some people will go through to to um, infiltrate the country, to cause unrest, to kill us, to dominate us, and uh, we just cannot appease them. Well, the other thing is that everyone's looking for bombs and, and guns. You know, bullets are one thing, but ballots are just the same. And in mm-hmm. fact, they're more powerful. So when in the very legislature we're proposing that we shut our mouths to any opposition, we're doing far more harm than we could ever do with a gun or a well-placed bomb. Now, doesn't that explain why they're using the word Islamophobia? Because they want to make it a free speech issue rather than a violence issue, and in so doing, control the debate around it. Because I find it very interesting that after you put your open letter you know, into the par- into the, oh, the legislature anger. there. Well, not only the anger, but the bigger issue is where the conversation, all this conversation, where does it take place? Not in the legislature. It takes place in our newspapers, right. in our publications between us, right? And so what they want to do is control the media. The media didn't even report on on your open letter, even though Breitbart picked it up. Right. Had to be, had to be, a, uh, right. a, a, had to be somebody outside the country, country. Yep. Because, because then they're not threatened by what you have to say, right? Because right. yeah. they don't have a favorite political party here exactly like all right. the others do. Yeah. You know, what's uh, interesting as well is that Islam is rather unique in a set of religions, you know, because it is not simply a religion. Islam 
is also a political ideology. Oh, it yes. is a culture. It's not simply a, a faith in a god or a, a, a set way to pray, uh, which I don't think anybody here would object to what people do in the privacy of their own home mm-hmm. when it comes between themselves and their conscience right. and themselves and the god. But it is a political system as well. And that is also being quelled by this motion. Absolutely. There's, the idea of, of Sharia is that it should be the only law. And that is as, that's about as political as you can possibly get. You're saying there shouldn't be legislatures. There should only be imams telling people how to live. There shouldn't be any debate about what laws there are because Allah has already set them down. And, you know, he's infinitely wise and therefore we have no right to make our own laws. That's what we're up against. That's why the protests happen at legislatures as opposed to, say, at churches or at schools or in public parks. They happen at legislatures because those are the institutions that ultimately they don't think should exist. That's why in BC, the BC legislature was, there was an attempt to bomb it. It's not a mistake, and but, but we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear that it's about the religion itself because we might be criticizing people. And there's also the fear that people who right now who are practicing Muslims might feel personally offended by the fact that they don't believe in these extreme beliefs and that we might push them into believing them by, you know, casting them all with the same lot. That's why I think it's very important to be in the legislature, to be free to criticize the warts, as it were, within any religion, so that those who don't share the warts but are in, in that religion can say, thank goodness, our politicians get it, they're not putting us all in the same pot with the, the bad guys, and they're here to protect us from the bad guys. We left countries where the bad guys were in charge, and we don't have to worry about that happening here. They've got their eyes on the problems within the religion. Not the whole religion, but the problems within it. You know, what's interesting is that, again, it is Muslims themselves, those who escaped, as you say, the uh, the violence of uh, Islamism over in uh, the countries in the Middle East that are coming here that will also be the ones who, who will be victimized by these motions. They're the ones who want to be able to talk about what they left behind. Yes. In, in fact, I recall the first time I ever analyzed Islam on this show, and it was the first time I looked into it. And the first conclusion I came to, this is a war between Muslims and Muslims. Well, in fact, the biggest... And they're dragging us into the middle of it, right? That's right. It, the biggest head count, if you will, yeah. the biggest victims of, of the radicals are other Muslims. Exactly. Muslims who are westernized, secularized, who have ignored the parts of, of their holy text that they find are um, repugnant. And, um, you know, that's why these uh, radicals are at work. They're trying to make sure that they can strike fear to the hearts of other Muslims. The rest of us, we're just kafirs. We're just uh, future slaves. We are not significant to them, uh, except as useful idiots. Uh, more than a decade and a half after 9-11, the mastermind of that murderous attack on the U.S. mainland, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, sits in uh, rather comfortable accommodations at American taxpayer expense in Guantanamo Bay. Apparently it now takes four times the length of the First World War just to bring one war criminal to trial, never mind hang him. In the 14 years since KSM, as they call him, was captured in Rawalpindi, my guest got to know him better than anyone else in the Western world. And he's now written a fascinating book on how he got to know him, and other high-value Islamic terrorists. The book is titled Enhanced Interrogation, and the man who wrote it is the enhanced interrogator of the Bush years, James E. Mitchell. You say you're interested in how these guys think. Mm -hmm. 
if you were to make a, a, a broad generalization about what the West has done wrong since 9-11, it's that we assume that in the end, they like us. So you well, we assume it's important for them to like us. Yeah. And, that, and that if they, if they only liked us, if they only understood that we want to live in peace with them, then everything would be okay. But it's actually the opposite. What KSM told me was that our judicial system, our Bill of Rights, our civil liberties, our desire to have other people in the world like us were all weapons that Allah had placed in our minds so that we could be defeated by the Islamists who were the true, had the true dominion of the world. I asked him one time, why do you guys call this the religion of peace when all I ever see you do is killing people and blowing people up? And he said, we are the religion of peace. The world will be at peace when there is a Muslim caliphate in charge of the entire world and everyone has either been converted, killed, or enslaved. So we're spreading peace. Right. We are the religion of peace, not the way we think about it. And so you have people on TV in the United States who are trying to ratchet up the use of Sharia law in the United States who continue to claim that Islam is a religion of peace. And they're telling the truth, but not from our perspective. They believe that they are chosen by their God to purge the world of all of the infidels and all of the apostates, which means any other Muslim that doesn't think exactly the way they think. Yeah. You know, that whole crew is, is not going to go away because we want them to like us. President Bush used the lines. And he goes, if it's not the cartoons, it's the Crusades, which gets the sort of lack of proportion. It can be the most trivial thing, or it can be some massive geopolitical thing. It's funny that you would say that, because that's precisely what KSM said to me. He said, in essence, well, we're still mad at you guys because of the Crusades. Right, right. He said exactly what you right. just said in the context of that conversation. And what that points out to is that at any point that they can't exercise their dominion, you become their enemy. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to all of our financial supporters who have made it possible for us to continue our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support. And while you're there, sample our timeless past broadcasts, all archived for your listening convenience and enjoyment. We're in studio with Paul McKeever. And while we're discussing uh, motions in Canada and, and province of Ontario against so-called Islamophobia, it just occurred to me, Paul, that if we on this show or anybody else out there talks about oh, the evils and the violence in Islam, they're not actually violating these motions because according to the moderate Muslims and according to the parliamentarians, Islam is peace. So if I say that um, I'm objecting to Islamists throwing homosexuals off of tall buildings to kill them and setting fire to apostates and putting women in bags and counting their words that of uh, one half of a man. I'm not denigrating Islam. I'm denigrating something else, aren't I? Because Islam is peace, right? Islam is peaceful. 
Well, I, I think you're playing the same word game that the Islamist peace plays. People I, I think that's yeah. his point. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, Islam is peace only because once they're in, in control and no one's allowed to criticize it, there won't be any any uprising. There won't be any war. You know, you'll either be dead or you'll be in, enslaved. But uh, and I guess that's a form of peace in the sense that there's no opposition. Epistemologically, again, I don't think... Pe- you know that the that the politicians, whether federally or provincially, are really paying attention to the epistemological issues here. And by epistemology, I just mean, you know, how do you know what you know? You know, what's your method of saying this is true or that's false? Uh, and you had this theme going on where the premier—I've heard her say this a number of times—the premier of Ontario says, "I can't believe we have to keep telling people this that only love can conquer hate." So we, she has this sort of Disney World uh, version of knowledge where, and, and power and, and reality where emotions can kill emotions, uh, where emotions are the guide to what's good and evil. And that, you know, if we only loved, then we wouldn't you know, criticize. I, I take it a point further than that. I use the Ayn Rand definition of love. To love is to value. So what they want us to do is to value Islam, not to disparage it in any way, because that's love. If you hate it, that means you disvalue it. doesn't mean you, you, you know, it's a disvalue. It's, it's where you put it on your hierarchy of values. Isn't that what the words really mean in practice, beyond the emotion? I think it's worse than that. I, worse? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's kind of, you know, you, you raise Ayn Rand. In, in one of Ayn Rand's books, the arch-villain uh, supposedly loved his wife. And the wife finally catches on. She says, what do you mean by love? If it, he loved, he wanted to be loved without being valued. Without being a value, a value of any kind, without As being an unconditional, any, love. unconditional, un, unpurposeful love, and I think that's the kind of love that the liberals are talking about. They're saying we should love everybody because it doesn't matter what they believe. There is no right and wrong. Therefore, we should just extend emotional the, the label, if you will, of love to all of them. And if you uh, disagree with them in any way. If you say this aspect of your religion is is wrong and you make them feel bad, well, that's that's like hate, you know. And you shouldn't be hating people. You should just be loving people. Love is the root of all truth. And you et know, this sounds like a kindergarten. It really does. Oh, it, it is. is. When we have political leaders like Kathleen Wynne and Justin Trudeau talking about loving and hating, and we should all get along, and uh, I'm, I, I swear, I so I swear, I'm in a kindergarten here. Yeah, you are. That's exactly right. And, and and unfortunately, these um, aren't mature people. These aren't leaders. They're the ones in kindergarten. They yeah. are ignorant of the evils that are going on in this world, and they want to turn a blind eye to it. They want to appease it, and ultimately, through those kinds of actions, they will lose. Yeah, they will lose their freedom of speech, and they'll lose them their own freedom. And they'll lose their lives. Oh, ultimately, ultimately, we'll all lose our lives if they keep on the way they're keeping on. And if we have one, it won't be much of one. It wouldn't be anything you would call a life in any genuine sense. You know, if you look at it uh, philosophically, this is like a, a war between those who are judging right and wrong by emotion, how I feel about things, versus those who look at the facts and judge by logic and reason. And I think that's the, that's the war we're looking at epistemologically. We've got the Kathleen Wins of the world that say, you know, we can feel things, and if we feel love, then there is love. And if we feel love, there can be love in return. Let's just ignore the people being lit on fire and thrown off roofs and et cetera. I mean, my goodness, this is a woman who's a, who's a lesbian herself and is willing to turn a blind eye to what the radicals are doing in these other countries to other homosexuals. I, it, it, to me, it's mind-bogglingly astonishing. She's literally throwing reason to the wind and saying, I'm going to be judged by my, 
by my my feelings. I've often given great thought to uh, why the left, uh, the Marxists, the communists, the socialists, uh, the Kathleen Wins and Just Trudeau Trudeaus of the world, and I would lump them into those categories, always seem to have an affinity with political Islam and Islamism, and as you say, turn a blind eye to the atrocities that are going on over there when they preach one thing and yet allow the Islamists to carry out atrocities against that thing that they supposedly love. And I think the commonality is that they just want to destroy. The left have always been destroyers of values, destroyers of Western culture, just as the Islamists are in the Middle East, now going uh, into Europe uh, as hordes and invaders, destroying the very roots of civilization in the West. Um, And I think that's the common thread between the left in Canada appeasing Islamists. Yeah, you know, it's destruction. That's absolutely right. And it's it's both in terms of wealth and in terms of art. I mean, I recently heard a, uh, a speech by uh, Dr. Leonard Peikoff in which he was saying that, you know, the left or the anti-reason folks, the, the whim worshippers, have tried in all ways in the art world, for example, to tear down the beautiful. So, you know, you could look at a Michelangelo and you'd say, wonderful, beautiful, inspirational. At the same time, they would they would figuratively like to do exactly what the Islamists are doing, which is to crack down, break down, deface such beauty and it's, and leave in its wake just rubble. And what is the leftist or sinister form of, of art? Rubble, a mishmash of paint, feces, and and urine uh, poured over over maybe classical works of art. They think this is art. Why? It's destructive of the of any greatness, anything that's man-oriented, I mean by that human-oriented, anything that's based on human greatness or the production of wealth. And, you know, when they tear down art, that's the same as, as you know, the, the piss Christ, if you will, putting a, a, a revered symbol in a, in a vat of urine. To them, that's something to cheer. It's a, it's a you know, 10 minutes of hate or whatever they call it in Orwell. It's just an, a, a, a tantrum, a yelling, a screaming, and then a gleeful cheer as someone who's achieved something great is torn right down. We're all equal. And they get to believe in the end that, see, the great wasn't great after all. We were able to jointly and collectively pull it down. In terms of this Islam, though, why do they always join with Islam? I think they would join with any collective, however so defined. Race, religion, sexual orientation, we see it. Any way they can find to group people, to de-individualize them. That gives them an, an opportunity to say, aha, another thing. Same can- thing with the feminist movement. There, they should, you know, It's not just in the legislature. It's all leftist kind of movement. Right, because they want to be able to say that, okay, if, if we have Islam as a group and we have Christianity as a group and we have Judaism as a group, we can then say, oh, look, uh, maybe the Christians have more stuff than do the Islamic uh, group. So obviously it must be due to ism. There's obviously some religion-ism going on that needs to be corrected by government action. In other words, wealth redistribution, power redistribution, taking away the power to uh, criticize, to condemn, to moralize in any way, shape, or form. If, if you can't say anyone is any greater than any other, you then have to say that everyone's entitled to the same amount of stuff. And that's what they're always about. Well, that's all very nice and well. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here, and they'll, be, they'll tell you, well, Paul, we're not telling you any of this. All of these things are merely um, symbolic. 
These, yes. are, these are just expressions of, you know, how, how we feel and how we think everyone should feel. We're not going to take any action against anybody. What do, you say to, what do you say to people who really continue to think that kind of, well, what I think is falsehood? But um, I think the word's bollocks. <laughs> uh, you know, um, effectively, you know, if you looked at the history of what went on in the federal parliament, you had in October, as I say, a successful motion to condemn all forms of Islamophobia. Why do you need to go further? Well, because the motion now, the the M103 motion, actually calls for action items. It not only says condemn Islamophobia and all forms of systemic racism and religious discrimination, but it says, request that the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage undertake a study on how government could, one, develop a whole-of-government approach to reducing or eliminating systemic racism and religious discrimination, including Islamophobia in Canada, while ensuring a community-centered focus with a holistic response through evidence-based policymaking and collect data to contextualize hate crime reports and conduct needs assessments for impacted communities and that the committee should present its findings and blah, blah, blah. These are not mere sim- symbolic gestures. These are procedural steps to, as they say, reduce or eliminate Islamophobia. It's right in the text. These are not symbolic gestures. They could have otherwise just stopped at condemn Islamophobia, but they didn't. They said the government should take steps, study, and and take action. So after, in the, in the wake of was... this motion, we're going to be seeing bills. Absolutely. You know, over the years, we've had various amendments to human rights to include such things as sexual orientation and et cetera. And I bet if we did a little bit of research, we'd find that preceding any of these bills, you know, they would start with some sort of symbolic motion or a... It will be in the preamble. They say, given that the parliament has condemned Islamophobia yes. in all its forms... We, the uh, Parliament of Canada, now put forward this bill which would outlaw such and such. Right, exactly so. And, and in fact, if the Conservatives in the federal legislature vote in favour of the Islamophobia 103 motion, as it's currently worded, how will they then fight the bill later on? The Liberals, who have the majority, will just say, uh, you well, you guys, you supported it in, 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 in principle. Mm-hmm. How can you now deny it in practice? It's political correctness. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the other senior terrorists, I'm sure, would see political correctness as a force multiplier and a cloaking device. Because what that does is that allows them to operate in the open and ratchet up Sharia without being challenged. Because every time you challenge or you push back, there's this made-up Islamophobia word that gets tossed out. I'm a psychologist. I know what a phobia is. There's no Islamophobia. That's something made up by the Muslim Brotherhood to, to be able to keep people from, from saying what is actually occurring. It's not Islamophobic to, to not want an Islamist organization to build a mosque at ground zero. That's not Islamophobia. That's good judgment. Germany is committing cultural suicide. Yeah. We've forgiven them for World War II. You don't have to kill your culture by bringing all these Islamists in. Don't right. do it. You know, in most Western countries, there are already high laws which prohibit uh, discriminating against people based on religion and also preventing the government from making any laws established, establishing religion, as That's in right. the United States. So... Is the government of Canada and the governments of Canada and Ontario 
stepping outside of the realm of the material, physical world, which is what they are designed to help govern, into a more spiritual realm um, where basically they they don't belong in this discussion of Allah and God and spirituality and uh, prayer rooms and, and such. They don't belong in this realm. Why are they stepping outside of their purview. Yeah, they're failing to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's, as it were. I mean, they're not making that split between the alleged spiritual world, this supernatural world, over which they have no power to govern and no no knowledge. You know, instead of just leaving themselves in a natural world where there's observable facts, their five senses tell you what's around you and logic tells you uh, what to do next in a world that you can uh, observe. That's the only world a human being could govern, a natural world. And I think by making judgments about religion, by keeping, uh, by saying that we have to do things to prevent Islamophobia, what they're really saying is we want to preserve even in the legislature, a view of the world, a view of reality in which reality is broader than that which we can see and sense. Reality includes an afterlife, a supernatural realm, a heaven, call it what you will, a hell even. And therefore, logic really and reason really don't have the, the, the mastery over, uh, over governance that we think they are. To, to be governing properly, we have to judge as though we know that the world isn't as we see it, but is more magical and fantastical than we could ever see with our own eyes, ears, nose, and throat. (laughs) That sort of opens the door to any government to create any laws they wish because it's based on whim, supernatural uh, events, um, non-evidential, evidentiary evidence. Hello, (laughs) climate change. (laughs) There you go. Oh, no, the the science is settled there, Bob. But you see what I'm saying. Well, the Islam's settled too, isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. But you see what I'm saying? Once we get into uh, people in the legislature, um, as they do in Ontario, saying half a dozen prayers before they sit down to uh, create laws governing yes. us in the physical world, um, they're actually out there you know, praying before the legislature opens. First of all, they, they pray the, the Islamic prayer that there's only one God and he's Allah. Right, and he's, there's only one prophet, and he's Muhammad. And then they'll go on and they'll they'll uh, say the Lord's Prayer, which is completely yeah. contradictory to the one they said before. And then they start making laws in a physical realm. Right. Well, they're they're, they're you know they've got ten or fifteen different different prayers they do. What they do on a rotating basis. Of course, they always do the Lord's Prayer as well. That's of course the the Christians saying, "Hey, wait a minute." It's our place, but we'll we'll tip our hat to the rest of you. But in any event, you know, they're all praying to the one true gods, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and seeking seeking guidance from a from a divine being, a different divine being every day, which by the way is completely contrary to Islam, which is against anything except monotheism. They don't even believe in uh, such things as the Trinity. They would regard a trinitarian, in other words, a person who believes in, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, as basically tantamount to being an apostate or even an atheist. I mean, they're... Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. The, I know, I was, even as a Catholic, I was taught the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were part of the one God. They weren't three separate They don't things. see it that way. They see Jesus. Who, who's, who's they? Uh, the Muslims, especially the radical Muslims. That's why Jesus well, in, in Islam is not a part of God. He's just another prophet. 
He's not part of a holy trinity. There is no holy trinity. There's only one God, well, Allah. Jesus is the son of God on, uh, in the Christian re- but religion. Not, not but not, not in the God. Islamic one. Not in the Islamic one. Well, He's just another man. And so that's the thing. Um, you know, to pray to ten, ten different gods, you can't expect that will last very long if the legislature becomes Islamic. Hey, there won't be a legislature. That, that would just fold. But if be there a were caliphate. One, there'd be a caliphate. That's right. In any event, I, I see this, this uh, broadening, this protection of the supernatural, if you want to put it that way, as a way of justifying their you know, decision to judge right from wrong by way of their emotions instead of by reason. You know, when Kathleen Wynne says, only love will defeat hate, what is she basing that on? She's basing that on a supernaturalism, on something she's not witnessing. When in history has love ever defeated hate? Well, go, go to a gunfight with a handful of love and find out what okay, happens. Okay, then give her the benefit of the doubt and, t- and figure that, okay, she's not as stupid as she sounds. She's not, and the same with everyone else in the legislature. Would it not be more simple to say that's what, that what is motivating them is simply getting votes? Oh, absolutely, but I so, think it's beyond so that. that I think that's kind of rational compared to all the... Well, it's some cynical scheming at the very least, but I don't, I don't write her off as a religious person. I think she is a religious person. I think she said, said as much, um, and I believe that uh, she believes in an afterlife, and I believe that she thinks that you can know uh, uh, reality by faith and feelings as much as you can by by logic and reason. Certainly, how much logic, logic and reason does she ever use? Well, if what you're saying it's is not true, she then, values. and well, if she believes in that, the afterlife, then she's perfectly in parallel with, with um, Islam. Which is why she's defending. Yeah. You know something? This flies in the face of our entire institution of the constitutional monarchy of Canada. The Queen of Canada, as she's styled here in this country, is also the head of a religion. Yes. The Church of England. Yeah. She is the defender of the faith. Yes. And yet she allows this to go on in our legislatures. Right. <laughs> Islamic prayer, you know, in legislatures of a, of a country ruled by a sovereign who is the head of a religion. I mean, this is just getting, it's getting quite comical. Oh, yes. This yeah, whole, I mean, this whole I, affair. Well, <laughs> it's because of the history we come from, right? And so you can't, you can't just cut yourself off from that history. And, and I don't. Yeah, well, and that's and, what makes it comical as the change is, ha- is occurring, right? And let's not forget, I mean, part of the reason we end up with a queen as head of state, or sorry, head of religion, is because we were dealing with a country that was concerned about, you know, rule from Rome, as exactly. it were. Exactly, anti-papists, sure. Right, and, and that's a, I think that was a genuinely good mm-hmm. concern, a genuinely just concern. You do not want religion to be, or God to be, the lawmaker on the earth. And, I, and if... Maybe concerns were overblown. I don't know. I, maybe in living in the 1600s or the 1500s, knowing your neighbor at that time meant knowing a person who said, you and your men made laws. If we all just followed God's law, we'd all be fine. That could be very threatening to people who believed in life, liberty, and property. And he thought that maybe uh, my there neighbor... there were any. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there were. I mean, obviously, we ended up with uh, John Locke, for example, where we got life, li- liberty, and property, that that, that uh, triplet or that triumphant. That trinity? Yeah, the trinity, as you were. Um, so, you Part know, of the one freedom. <laughs> oh, and they saw that as you know, Locke's work as, as the justification for the uh, the glorious revolution. And I, I think it was a, a great work politically. But um, anyway, we're a little off base. But I, I think that that brings you kind of full circle. I mean, doesn't it? You're 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 talking politically about the division of 
not so much religion and state as spirituality and physicality between the supernatural and the natural. And I don't think that the government ought to be dabbling in or delving into or defending or proponent, uh, being proponents of anything to do with the supernatural. That is a personal belief, if it's anything at all. It's something that isn't within the realm of evidence or knowledge. It certainly can't be a matter of reason. No one of a religious bent who knows anything about the religion thinks of it as a matter of reason. It's always a matter of faith. In other words, believing in the absence of evidence, and that's not the role of a government. You know, I, I find it qu quite ironic that here in the province of Ontario, there was actually a statement made by a provincial government. And of course, we're going back to the NDP government, where they said that there will be no Sharia law imposed in Ontario. There is only one law, and that is Ontario law. Ironic, I guess, that it was by the NDP, <laughs> who are now saying, oh, let's not insult Islam here, you know. Let's well, move I, in Sharia, perhaps. Maybe oh, and I used to debate Marion Boyd on... Uh, that was the government, yeah. Uh, left, right, and she was all in favor of Sharia. Yeah, but her government was the one yeah. who um, actually came out and said no to Sharia. And I give them kudos for that. Sure. Well, and, and McGinty finally found out, too. I mean, it took McGinty was going to allow the Sharia... Uh, courts in Ontario. And then suddenly someone got through to him and he figured out, oh, wait a minute, there's going to be a lot of women here whose lives are going to change in a dramatically bad way. Now, if I, we're getting close to the end of the show. I think that the discussion we just had in this past hour is the very discussion that is being completely avoided in the legislature and by our par parliamentarians and everyone politically through and, and, and using as a vehicle to hide that discussion the entire immigration issue. Oh, right? yeah. A and so that is, that's the catch, that's the catch thing that they, that we they get you on, We right? wouldn't have had this discussion un unless it was about immigration. That, that's the kernel of it. Right. I guess the kernel, real kernel, is 9-11. And yeah. from that, yeah. um, everything flowed. Well, certainly, I, I think they use immigration, though, as a way to, to, to blur the issue. The, the Islam issue is about, you know, the division of religion and state, uh, the supernatural and the natural. Ultimately, that's where it comes from. And when you blur those, you get the irrationality of government, you got the moral subjectivity of government, and you get the attacks on free speech at the political level. And, um, you know, th when they nowadays talk about immigration in the context of something like Islamophobia, what they're trying to say is, if you are against... Islam, or if you're Islamophobic, you're somehow a person who doesn't want people to immigrate. And they're blurring the two. They're, they're saying that if you're against Islam, you're against Muslims. If you're against the religion, you're against the people who practice it, no matter what they, how they practice it or what they practice. And they're trying to say that, uh, that the religion is somehow a race, that if you practice that religion, you are some kind of race. I'm not sure which race they think practices that religion, since I've seen people of all different phenotypical looks who practice the religion, including red-headed, blue-eyed Bosch Faustin at one point before he left the religion. Um, so uh, he's a cartoonist, as we all know. He was a guest on the show twice. Yeah. Uh, so the, they try to blur the issues of Islam with the issues of race and discrimination, etc. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't allow it to happen. And uh, anyone who does do that, I think they are the racist. They're playing a race card. And it's a very dangerous thing to do when there's so much at stake in terms of individual freedom. 
I agree with you, Paul. And, and, you know, as we've been saying in our own campaign with the Freedom Party, the discussion should be about freedom and truth, the true Canadian values, uh, capable of binding every individual to a common collective. That's, that's where we should be at. So um, I guess we want to turn this monologue back into a dialogue, and it's sad that the only place that people can go for that in Ontario politics is to the Freedom Party of Ontario. Thank you, Paul McKeever, as the leader of the, that party, to, for having the courage to do what you did and take that shot at the Ontario legislature. And thank you for joining us again today. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Inshallah. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Filthy assassins. Uh, animals. Dogs. You forgot pigs. <laughs> By the way, who are you talking about? Germans. I got into the wrong conversation. <laughs> Please, don't talk like that. You make me self-conscious. All right, look, save your hate meeting for later.